2: The Westwood One Podcast Network. All
1: right, everybody, welcome back to the TNQ Podcast. I'm your host, Marcus Luttrell. Every week, it's my job to fire you up, to ignite the legend inside of you, and to push you to your greatness
2: Welcome back to the Team Never Quit podcast. Thank you guys for listening, sharing, and most importantly, subscribing. Make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channels because we're going to start dropping videos very soon for you guys. Uh, Make sure you guys are following us on social too. We got a lot going on. So a few weeks ago, we got to do our first ever Patreon, I guess, live event with our elite members, and we had a blast. So like we always do, our Patreon member, Corey, has a question for you guys. Marcus Morgan, what is your favorite activity to do to de-stress.
1: Hit the heavy bag. We're keeping this clean. <laughs> <laughs> it says favorite. <clears throat> There's a couple things I like to do other than punch that bag, but yeah, you know, that's the same <laughs> But that'll, that'll, okay, I'll go with that answer. Yeah, to, we'll hit the heavy bag.
2: <laughs> I do a little kayak fishing. That's my... I bet you do. Is that what that's, you call it? That's what I call it. Kayak, kayak, kayak fishing. fishing. I yeah. like to kayak fish
1: when no one's around too. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I leave stress. <laughs> Go to your happy price, price
2: line. So, you've got an idea for a business, the store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out everything. All right, guys, if you guys are ready for our guest today, we are joined by Zach Evanesh, the creator of the Underground Strength Coach certification and author of the bestseller, The Encyclopedia of Underground Strength and Conditioning. Zach's training methods have influenced coaches from around the world. Welcome to the show, Zach.
3: Thanks, guys. Big honor to be
0: here. Oh, buddy, we've been looking forward to this This one. It's going to be fun. I mean, you know, when you got an establishment, it starts with the name Underground. It's, it's got to be hardcore.
2: And you wrote your own encyclopedia.
1: That's pretty smart too, because you know guys like us when they see that any kind of quip like that catches the eye title for certain types of guys like oh <laughs> that's the one I need to go to right there, <laughs> dude. And and, you, and
0: I'm gonna start this off because in your book you got a you got a you got a bunch of quotes, but w- the one that caught my eye the most and I'm gonna I'm gonna write it on a mirror in my gym is you want to have the horsepower of a Ferrari with the grinding strength of a tow truck. Well said, young man.
3: I don't think I wrote that.
1: It's in your book. <laughs> yeah, I saw it on a bumper sticker yeah. somewhere. That's what I
0: always
3: I, say. I sent the book to um, Hunter. I sent him the book a couple of years ago, and I think I sent two copies. Oh, he's so it.
1: I'll bring Melanie in, yeah. in here to talk. Yeah, we were talking
3: about that last night. One copy might be floating around in the house somewhere. It's in the library. <laughs> well, if you didn't Excellent, say that, man. it sure was good because I pulled it, pull it right off of your name.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you said it now yours now, man.
3: I'll take it, man. I like, it could be a good t-shirt
2: too. <laughs> hey, hey roll why, it. why don't you give us some background? Tell us a little bit about yourself.
3: Yeah, I'll give, you know, of course, the short, short version. So I got into training in the late eighties, 89, kind of copying off from my older brother. He had a bunch of back then in the eighties, you know, they didn't have strength and conditioning. It was just kind of bodybuilding and he had some bodybuilding books. Our grandfather actually bought us Arnold's Encyclopedia of Modern Bodybuilding so when we were visiting. We had. That's what
1: started us. <laughs> that,
3: that book, I still have the original one that my grandfather bought me. And I remember it was double the price. We, he bought it while we were in Israel. And we sat, it was a bookstore, and we sat on the floor like reading every page until the uh, lady who's the owner of the bookstore was like, we're closing, like you guys got to go. <laughs> and so we convinced our grandfather to buy us the book. And I remember him saying like, what the hell kind of book is $50, you know? And so we bought, or my grandfather bought that book, but my older brother was really the catalyst as he was always training and kind of experimenting, you know, crazy things. You know, I remember as a kid, he'd say, Zach, I have this new idea. Anytime I want to eat something, if I touch the refrigerator, I have to do 20 push push-ups." You know, so I'm like 11 years old when he's saying those things to me. He would run our dog three times a day, you know, a mile and a half at a clip. And so it was kind of taught to me that this is normal, that to be strong. And then same thing, of course, you know, with, with my dad. I'm, I'm really the only one in my family that did not go to the military. My, my parents and my brother, even when we moved to this country, they my uh, parents were in the Israeli Army. My older brother went back to the Israeli army. And so I was always around kind of a household where work and being physical was the norm. And uh, believe it or not, in the beginning as a young kid, when I tried working out, I would do it for a week or two, then I would quit. I would do it for a week or two, then I would quit. And I remember in eighth grade, I, I said to myself, like, what's wrong with you? Like, why are you quitting? Why, why can't you stick to training? And in the end of eighth grade, I went downstairs. My brother had weights in his room. I opened up Arnold's Encyclopedia, flipped it open to the uh, illustration on how to how to squat, and I started training. And it was uh, June of 1989, and I've never stopped training since then. And then in 1995, I started coaching. Um, My first coaching job was in a hospital fitness center, and then in that time frame, I just have never stopped. Really learning, and uh, you know, you guys being former SEALs. One of my the first bodybuilding show I did was the summer of 1994. This is a great story. You might know the guy. I uh, yeah, we went to visit my grandparents in Israel. We were staying there for I think four weeks, and my brother was telling me about this guy. He's like, <clears throat> my brother was living in Israel. He's in the army. He's telling me about this guy Joe, who was. Um, army, was in the American army. And then after he got out of the army, he was a skydive instructor. And so the skydive, he was taking a rabbi skydiving. And the guy told him, listen, you you said you want to go into the SEALs. You know, um, if you want, we could help you go to Israel and become a Navy SEAL there. So this guy, Joe, goes to Israel and he's now uh, doing like scuba instructing while trying to become a SEAL in Israel. My brother's talking about this crazy guy, Joe, and there was this little gym, the first gym that opened in the little town that my grandparents lived in, less than a 1,000 square feet, and I meet Joe, and uh, we kick it off, and we train just like crazy together, leading up to there was a teenage Mr. Israel bodybuilding show, so my my first kind of introduction to a guy who wound up becoming a Navy SEAL in, I think, the late eight, late 90s was Joe, last name Mastrangelo. Now he's down in the Keys. He's got a uh, nonprofit called Veteran Sailing Association. So Joe became a SEAL. He was in like his mid to late 20s when he went through BUDS and SEAL training. And that, to me, Joe actually told me about the book uh, Rogue Warrior. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, That was the first book I read in 94 on uh, SEALs. And so I kind of immersed one. myself. <laughs> so Rogue Warrior is the, a good one, yeah. That book, I remember what like still sticks with me is things like you don't have to like it, you just gotta do it. And you know, comfort is the enemy. And uh, also my background is, is in wrestling. So lucky for me, you know, some of these little things experiences happened. and then I got full time into this strength and conditioning around 2002, 2001. and when I basically stopped going to these traditional gyms, I set up a garage gym in my parents' house. A year later, my wife and I bought a house, and the first thing we did was set up in the two-car garage, a gym, and I started training predominantly wrestlers in the garage, then in the backyard, and then I would take them down to this field, but I didn't train them you know, this traditional way. The backyard had stones. I put a climbing rope over the tree. We had an old tree that had to get cut down, but we saved the tree logs. So I had kids like a little bit of training in the garage, you know, deadlift, pull-ups, you know, kettlebell work. Kettlebells were pretty new back then. Then they'd be in the backyard carrying logs, climbing rope. They would swing the sledgehammer on the tree stump. I remember my neighbor; <laughs> she like <laughs> that's she yelled, a, "That's to a good me. one." <laughs> She's like, "Zach, those kids are gonna have a heart attack," you know. And all I'm thinking is like, I'm training, I'm training these kids to be beasts. And so we would train like in these like little, you know, 15, 20 minutes in the garage, 15, 20 minutes in the backyard. Then I would take them to a field. They'd push my truck. Then they'd sprint the hills. Then I had sleds welded for me where we'd put weights on them. They'd drag the sleds across the grass. And then they would use all the playground equipment for pull-ups and squats. And I remember seeing a documentary on the inmates in California, like getting under the picnic tables, pressing them. So I had the kids doing that. And so what kind of started as this little side gig, so to speak, just kept growing because I would take photos with like a, an actual digital camera, figure out how to load it up. And I started just writing articles about it. And so without trying to go full time with it, I, it became full time. And then that was the early 2000s. And then since like, you know, 2014, I started at my first university, which is Lehigh which um, there's been a couple of wrestlers from there who became seals and then Rutgers um, just working with wrestling team. So now basically by day I work with either a school or some sort of consulting with strength and conditioning. Then in the afternoon and evening, I train the athletes, middle school, high school, college, um, some adults, not too many adults. We have two locations. The one I run, I don't really train the adults too much. Um, and then a year and a half ago, got to work with a group of guys, um, uh, dev group down in uh, Damneck. So it was, it's just been like great, really being basically in a nutshell. It's like I kind of took this blend of what I learned from wrestlers and the old, like I studied how Russians used to train their athletes, and just kind of blended everything together. And what really, guys, initially started as strength and conditioning. Now that I'm a dad, what I realized was all this stuff's just a vehicle for changing the lives, especially of our youth. That has been the biggest thing to me is to see the emotional slash internal change that people experience through hard training, through doing hard things. And so it's weird. Like I always say, if I won the lottery, I'd have a barn I'd have a barn gym. <laughs> I'd be <laughs> training people for free. I don't think I'd be able to stop, you know? It's, it's interesting.
0: So, over the years, it, it seems like because it, it, you just kind of molded and made your own programs that these kids seem to gravitate to. Are, are kids flying out from around the country or are these mostly local kids?
3: So, we have local kids, of course, in the early days when it was out of my house. There was people driving an hour away. You know, I was in central Jersey. There was dads coming from Pennsylvania, especially that this wrestling community was so hungry. They were traveling. And also it was very new. There wasn't like you see now strength and conditioning gyms in every town. There was like two other people doing it. And I don't even know how many people in the country, let alone New Jersey. So now it's local. Although when I do seminars, the people fly in from australia, ireland, all around europe. It's always surreal to me. It's always blows my mind. And kind of what was created was I took, you know, this today's I think generation of strength coaches that are younger than me, they look at just the science where I always say like you can take the most you can get trained by the most, you know, perfectly organized scientific training program, but if you're not Getting these athletes tough, then they're not gonna win when it counts. You know, you essentially have to break them down so they have a breakthrough
0: and build up their mental game as well.
3: It's all mental. You guys know more than anyone, like the mind drives the body. And so in my earlier years, I also say I was I was crazy. You know, I was so crazy with the athletes, and I wouldn't give second chances a whole lot. You know, now. I just feel like I've really changed my kid. My daughter just turned 14 Friday. My son turned 12 a couple, two months ago. So I've changed as I've become a father. I I know also, I know that kids sometimes need time to turn the corner. They don't become, not every kid has that kind of, you know, attitude where he's ready to run through a brick wall. For some athletes, it takes years, even in the college level, You know, I had a conversation with uh, one of my coaches, and he's like, Zach, you never know when a kid is going to change. He's like, he could be an absolute train wreck for two years, three years, then senior year, he turns it around, and he's your star. He's like, you never know. That's why you could never give up on a kid. To me, the trickiest thing and 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 really saddest thing is what happens when you get the stud, and then he... I haven't had don't train too many girls so I'm um, you know my experience is with you know the boys but I've seen the boys where <clears throat> they are these stars but then they go 180 degrees and then they lose that edge to me that's the most like intriguing thing is what happens do they just get tired of being uncomfortable and not want that challenge and that toughness and so that's always been interesting to me. And also that's the toughest thing for me because, you know, when you've coached, I coach a hundred to 200 kids a day. So when you've coached 10,000 plus kids, you know, a coach told me, he said, you're going to lose kids. You know, you're going to lose kids who might go to another gym. That's easy. You might lose a kid. He's, you know, just doesn't want to do it anymore. You lose a kid to murder. You lose a kid to overdose on drugs. It's like, you start losing kids. He's like, that's going to be the hardest thing. It's like, that's the hardest thing that you're going to have to go through. Sure. And As you grow too, tough. I mean,
1: that's, it's a personable thing. There's, with with yes. our crew, there's like three or four guys. So if you don't show up, we know, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's kind of like, it's not a, it won't be any sweat off. If you if, Once you build those numbers up and that, that, that always happens. And you're right. Like the star, sometimes he'll get to that place where he, he just wants to quit, but it's just, it's just the opposite of the kid who, who didn't, who wasn't the star. And you yes. could have that young kid, man. Not only could he run through that brick wall behind you, probably do it better than anybody else. But before he does that, he's got to see how, he, for whatever reason, he's got to figure out how the bricks are made. And once he's get that in his head, he doesn't care. You know, yeah. he's like, I, I don't give a damn what that is. I'll go through it. Hey, hey, Zach, I love that. I love working with those kind of kids. <laughs> I know they're best, man. Cause Let's, you can just see it. They'll keep showing up. Let me ask you a question,
0: Zach. And I, Cause I have yeah. I've started kind of doing my homework on this. Read a couple of books a lot of times when I talk to those, those elite athletes or just the, the, the top performers in any particular sport game, the majority of them say it was the struggle that got me to where I am today. And yeah. whether it was a parent or a, a coach, but then you often hear, hey, you shouldn't push. You shouldn't create the grind. Uh, we're believers of the struggle like you are. Do you think there's and, and I'm gonna try to get your honest opinion on this one and, and mull this one over for a second. Is there a is there an eight? Because my wife's on me. My, my my oldest son's seven, and I'm I'm on him. You know, <laughs> and um, she's like, he, he, you know, why are you so tough on him right now? I was like, it's 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 time, you know. I mean, the Spartan army sent them out at seven. Why can't I do that to my son? But I mean, in your opinion, what do you think? I mean, what have you seen? You all, I mean, I mean two hundred kids a day. I mean, you got to know. I got to think that you've yeah uh, experienced that.
3: I've seen it all. You know, like Joe with Spartan, he says exactly that. His kids were not even seven, and they're up the mountain and waking up at six a.m. and training with a kung fu master or a wrestling coach. And I remember seeing them hate it a lot of times. And so what was interesting for me, my son's 12. You know, at age seven, we started going to wrestling practice. Then around like age 10, he tests tell me he doesn't like it. And then you start finding like, okay, is he doesn't, does he not like it because it was my idea? Does he gotta like it? And so there's no right or wrong answer because everybody's so different. Different. You know, it's like yep. you guys, uh, you know, in the SEAL teams, you have people that come from super wealthy backgrounds with an Ivy League degree. Then you got another guy coming from the Bronx. Then you got some dude from, you know, the farms who never even swam. And so I've noticed the same thing in sports is that you never know who's tough or it's like you don't know when is the right time or the wrong time. It's so hard to put your finger on it. But I do know this that if there's never a challenge and you wait too long to do challenging things, then it's just completely foreign territory for them. And so you ha- they have to do things that at least stretch them a little bit on the regular. The key is that these younger years, you have to trick them. You have to gamify. You have to turn, sure, it,
1: yeah, perfect. That's right.
3: turn it into games. And so one thing I don't do is I don't train kids until they get to middle school. And I do see other these gyms will do it. But then they train them like adults. And kids don't want to do stuff like adults. And so when a parent says, hey, what should I do, my son or my daughter, seven or eight, I say, do any kind of martial arts. Play as many different sports as you can. Swimming. Get involved with gymnastics. Join the recreational sports. Do a lot of different stuff so they experience The ups and downs from an individual sport, a team sport, and all of those things help shape them. And I also think the toughest thing is there's that thing where like when dad is pushing, it's tough. But you know what? I met a lot of real amazing athletes, amazing humans that were pushed at an early age and also vice versa, that were not pushed. You know, I have a friend. He's a uh, uh, wrestling coach at Cornell. And his dad was a uh, Olympian in wrestling. And he said, and this kid, his name's Gabe Dean. Gabe is amazing. Gabe was a three-time finalist in the Nationals. He won the Nationals twice. But he said when he was a kid, <clears throat> he didn't like wrestling. And so his dad would like announce, like he'd say, his brother Max. He'd be like, Max, ready to go to wrestling? We're done wrestling. We could go on those go-karts, get some ice cream. And then he'd say, Gabe. Since you don't want to go, just stay home and uh, do the dishes. <laughs> like he would like say things like that, but he would announce the go-karts and the ice cream, which would like make it fun. So I, I texted my buddy Gabe after my son's, uh, my son plays baseball. His team, they lost real bad. My son didn't do good. And Gabe was always like, talk about the ice cream. I said, Gabe, my son did not have a good game. The team got crushed. Should we have ice cream? He's like, absolutely, that's when it's the most important. And Gabe is a savage, you know? So what, what happens is sometimes we we want to put, like, our own experiences, you know, on the kids. But I think it's just simply going to be different. You know, when my son wants water after an hour of baseball, I think, man, we practiced two and a half hours of wrestling, no water, lose seven pounds, and this kid wants water from baseball, You know, and I'm so I I sometimes say just tough it out. And then other times I'm like, sure, let's get you a gateway. Let's get you something. And so I try to find the happy medium. But I also know this. I'm not perfect. It's never going to be perfect. And I also know that he's got to want to do those tough things. So ironically, two, three weeks ago, he started coming to the gym with me. But for like a little bit of time, a year or two, he didn't want to come to the gym. But when he was seven, eight, nine, even six, he wanted to be there. But one's dad is not so cool at certain times, but he wanted to come back because I didn't tell him what to do. And he hit his first home run. He learned, oh, I hit a home run because I spent time yeah, the out back. Yep. I spent time working out back, hitting that ball off the tee, throwing the ball into the net, pitching. So I always tell the kids, I go, hey, man, the work is the gift. You should be chasing that work, not avoiding it. And so I also know that if I push you, I'm doing the pushing. It's not coming from your heart. And so there's a blend of stuff because to be successful, like we said before, we kind of recorded or did the pre-recording, you know, the people who just do what they got to do, like Rogue Warrior book, you don't got to like it. You just got to do it. That's also a lesson I feel we need to teach at those younger years. Because if I only do what I like to do, you know, sometimes I don't want to train. Sure, you know, sometimes a kid doesn't want to train. But I say, hey, you guys got to mentally right now make it happen. But at those younger years, you just got to turn it into games. They're gonna and make they, it fun and change yeah, every day. That's how you know
1: you're a coach because those are programs that have have a, the system written out in a binder. They just hand it to you. This is what we're gonna be doing. I'll be here in the gym. You guys go do it. And then, and then there's the coach who's like, oh, you got you can't push that that kid that way because he responds this way, and only for a little while. Because yes. there's stuff that I hated doing when I was a kid that I absolutely love now, up including, like, studying, like, math, you know, everything. It's just kind of – it's like I wasn't ready to do that because I had to learn how to do this first. Yes. In order for us to climb every ladder of the rung as we're going up it, you know, there's people ahead of us and behind us, and those are the guides. Right. And then the coach is in there kind of just hammering that steel back and forth. And you can crush them. Andre Agassi hated tennis. Tiger Woods is pushed by his dad so hard. He's got his kid now. He's training him. And he'll tell you all. So it's, it's man, the situations dictate that as well.
2: That's right. how you know
1: if they love you because they'll show back up and be like, hey, and you can, I mean, you tell them, it's like, this is going to, this is painful. This part, you ain't going to like it. On the back end, you will. And that's just pressure because we don't have bad days, we just have hard ones. And we step True. into those so we can understand what our, how important our good ones are.
3: Man, you, Morgan, you know what else I'm thinking is like the kids also at that younger, year, they don't, they don't know kind of what's the right or wrong, but they do what they see you doing. And so we moved to this house 10 years ago, 10 and a half years ago. My son was a year and a half and my daughter was almost three. So what did I do in the garage? We got, it has high ceilings. I hung up a climbing rope and uh, a pair of gymnastic rings. So my kids thought it was normal to climb a rope. They saw me sprinting up and down the street, carrying kettlebells up and down. They saw me pushing mommy's truck. They're like that's normal. <laughs> and so they would be on the front lawn like doing push-ups or trying to like balance on their head. And I remember like saying, "Oh wow." I didn't even tell them what to do. They're just copying me. They think they think this is normal. And so that's also kind of another little, like, you know, trick is you do stuff and they kind of shadow you. Oh,
1: anytime you got to walk in the barn, you got to do a pull-up.
3: Yes. Anytime you come it. up
1: the stairs at the ranch, it's five push-ups. So if you oh, walk like outside, it. you come back up. If they use the word, I learned this from Travis Pastrana. He did it on me. He goes, if you say the word mine, if you say it instead of M-I-N-E, instead of spelling it, five push-ups, because nothing's yours. It's ours. It belongs to all of us. Right. And that that whole you make them part of the, 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 we're all doing it. You know, that, that kind of deal is like, he doesn't have to do this. And she doesn't have to, man, we all kind of do it. And you sit the, at one push up, And now. We, not me. Yeah. And then we go down there and we hang out in the gym. The kids are just kind of, just like you said, hanging on the rings, just swinging on the ring. Cause that's fun. That, that develops strength. It all oh, just. Hanging on, hanging on, usually, hanging on the heavy yeah. bag. Like their favorite thing is to run and jump and hang. Remember how much fun that yeah. was? Swinging on the heavy bag to see if you could anything to climb around. And so we, we you, give them the opportunity. And there's this a lot of people, when you see the kids that will be climbing or they're outside doing something, like, no, don't do that. It's dangerous. I'm like, well, how dangerous? Because you know, push ups aren't that dangerous. The reason people you, who work out yeah. all the time uh, don't is because they're always putting pressure on themselves. They're always falling down to the ground and picking themselves up. That's what a push up is. I mean, and every time you fall down, and you pick yourself back up, you're stronger. That's why you can stack weight. More pressure on yourself than most humans, people who work out. Pressure is pressure,
3: period. Your body adapts. Your I body mean, there's
1: times you can be adapts. in so much stress, you think you're sitting underneath the bench with 500 pounds on it. Can't breathe. You know, you're like <laughs> sweating, like just, just sitting there, right? And that's the same thing. It's all relative in your mind. It's how you break it down. The best coaches do the mental and the physical part.
3: 100%. If you're, you know, if you're just, that's why I always encourage coaches to read a lot of these military books of the spec ops guys, so you understand that there is a huge mental capacity. There's a, the component is tremendous, and that's also why you see now that's like a big aspect of. I'm sure you guys have gone in to speak to uh, sport organizations to talk about the mindset. Mm. You know, I've got friends that coach at the pro levels, and they always remind me. They're like, Zach, these guys are just like they're they're like they're still kids. They're still kids, you know? They're they're playing the sport that they grew up playing on the street. Now they're just making five, ten, twenty million dollars a year doing it. He's like, but they're they're still kids. They need to learn how to overcome all these obstacles. I, I love what you're saying about hanging and climbing on stuff. I wanna see like a video, a, a video tour of the farm gym for the kids. You guys should set up like monkey bars. Get that stuff set Bro, up. Well, we
1: already got it up. Oh, I mean, cargo oh. nets, climbing walls, oh, zip course. lines. I, I <laughs> mean, it's a <laughs> freaking ninja I academy out here, man. You <laughs> don't even know. That's all that's all we do. I mean, we I make it. it that Arnold Schwarzenegger book that we talked about. I'll I'll never forget when she brought that home. Cause we would watch Commando American Ninja and do calf raises on that Arnold book. It didn't work on me. My calves are still dinky, but uh that I it it was that you just run outside down to the bar and climb a tree. And, we still have the same friends we've had as kids, and we still hang together. My bro and I yesterday were, had all the kids in our buddy's pool. He wasn't even there. We kind of raided his house. We're sending pictures of us having a good time in his place. and then So they know that they're supposed to grow up with their crew. And the guy, one of the guys who trained us, one of our pillars, I'll never forget it, you had to go because that's what we were all doing. It's not work if we're all doing it. It's just something that we're doing. And he would literally yell at us so much that you want to do the workout to get the hell out of there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just to get it done, so the stress can be reversed. It can be a great trip. It can be the, the verbal part of somebody screaming at you, so you go in there to get it done, or you're in there doing the physical thing, just wanting somebody to get done. Someone to talk to you. Either oh. way, it's how it's how you designed your own program in your head, because our own we develop our own realities. Guys like us get up in the morning, walk in front of the mirror, like, "What's up, man? You looking good? Not yet, but we're gonna after we get in the gym." You know, I mean, you just kind of go through it. We had a buddy oh, JT. I- he would write his goals out on the mirror. That way he could always look what he was supposed to become, not what he was. And then after he finished one, he erase it and write another one on the bottom. At the bottom of every day is like work harder than everybody else.
3: You know, uh first, I also you guys said that you train first thing in the morning as a family, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that when I don't train, and I like to train also in the morning, I'm just not a pleasant person to be around. I think it completely transforms your day, your life, your energy. And of course, what you're saying is being around other people. Of course, you never oh, I don't feel good. I tell people, I go, you got to lie about that. Put that in your back pocket. Don't announce that you're tired or this or that's hurt. Just lie. Get through the first five minutes. And then what you were saying this, we is, listen, if you think you're having a bad day, take the focus off yourself. Make the person next to you better. And then you start realizing, man, if I got to make, all right, I'm not feeling good, but Marcus is asking me how I'm, I'm just going to help Marcus. I'm going to help Morgan. I'm going to, I'm going to help these people next to me. And then I'm like, I got to level up. I got to rise up. And you're talking also about the goals. You know, when I met Joe, when we were in Israel and he was trying to become a seal there, I remember he says to me, he's like, Zach, He's like, if I don't get into the SEALs here, he's like, when I go to America, he's like, I'm going to I'm going to unleash all my shit. And I'm thinking to myself, this guy's crazy already. Like we were training insane and he would swim one day, run the next day. And I was like, he's has is he not unleashing all his shit right now? Because he's going he's so intense. But he knew that he was going to be a SEAL. And then my brother told me, he's like, Zach, I went running with Joe. And he's like, that was the, he's like, that MFR wanted to beat me. He's like, we weren't running together. He was racing me. He's like, I'd get ahead of him. And then he would pass me. He's like, it was this like nonstop. But Joe taught me, like, you got to decide what you want to do. And once you have that decision, it's like drawing a line in the sand. You're like, I ain't going back. I will destroy anything that stands in my way. And so that was a big lesson to me in how your mind can control you know these goals. Your buddy wrote it on the mirror. He's like, "This is what I'm going to become," and that sometimes the younger generation struggles with what they're capable of. You know, and so they need to go through these very tough times. That I heard this quote. It was it was said like most for people to have a breakthrough, they must have a breakdown, and then they break through. And your bait, you break yourself down. To rebuild stronger. And that's why things have to be hard. Training has to be hard. Not stupid. It's gotta be tough. You know, you still gotta train smart, but it's gotta be tough so that it breaks you down enough to where you rebuild stronger. That's the that's the ticket, man.
0: Yeah. Luckily for Marks and I, we had each other to push each other. And when we got started in training to go to buds, there is absolutely no way we could have created
1: mm-mm, mm-mm.
0: Those situations to stress us out enough mentally, physically, yeah, you can do a th- you can do a couple hundred push push-ups and be crushed, but the mental aspect that the guy that was training us created—I remember—is send push- you with
3: cinder blocks, right? Oh, on yeah, your Still got them.
0: <laughs> so um, that's that, that's something, I, and I'm, I'm sure you, you kind of, I'm sure this is something that you, you you apply in your when you're training these kids. It's like, hey, look man If you if you think, look to your guy to the right or the left and have them push you even further. Again, I wouldn't have accomplished what I accomplished if I didn't have my brother. Because, nope. like Joe was saying to your brother, it's a race. It doesn't <laughs> matter if running, swimming, pull-ups, push-ups, it doesn't matter. I'm going to do more than him, and he's going to do more than me. And then we had Billy, who was training us, just in our ears, just MFing, just worthless. Because sum- gonna- that's what
1: gets you, the, that, that, that part, right? Yeah, <laughs> and
0: how are you going to go out and defend everybody in this country if you can't do 200 push-ups in my front yard? And he held us accountable for what we decided to do. We showed yes. up at his house, like the kids show up at your gym and say, I want to be this. And he's like, you really want to be that? And we're like, yes, sir. He's like, show up 6 yeah, o'clock in the morning the and keys, we'll so. see. And then every day when we'd leave crying, we'd show up next day.
1: Crying, he would throw me out. I mean, <laughs> So that goes to that mental thing you're teaching your
0: kids, which is so important. You, you have to create that struggle. And if they show up the next day, you yeah. know you you praise them. Hey, uh-huh. yesterday sucked, and you're back again, and I'm gonna put you through it one more time, and I'm gonna keep putting you through it because real war is nothing to what I'm doing to you now.
1: Look, you know he kick guys? us out sometimes just to see if we'd show back up. That's part of it. I mean, you're the- getting beat. And that's part of it. And when you're talking about like you're doing the push ups, and that's straight, we well, can do as many of those. Well, the minute you stop doing pushups about three minutes later, you're good to go. You drop back down. You can do some more. When someone's in your head, you're constantly thinking about that. But if you focus on the person next to you, then you're focusing on them. No matter what anybody's saying to it, because you think that everything's going on them. The trick is to not carry their emotion after y'all are done. Cause that's, then that, that's extra weight. You know what I mean? So that's how, why you, you tell yourself like, Hey, I'm here to help you yeah, extra fatigue yeah yeah man you don't want to carry that and that's that that's the learned thing as well
0: you see that in, in kids that you're training there's certain ones that they've they, they, they you've actually seen that threshold that they've crossed over as mental threshold we're like oh he's got it
3: in my like i told you kind of my when i was younger before i was a dad even when my kids were babies i, I was just like i pushed so hard nothing crazy but i pushed hard and i didn't give a lot of chance to come back but now it's like okay if i got if i'm more motivated than you again then i'm calling mom and dad because i'm not taking their money i do not want people's hard-earned money If you're disrespecting it with poor effort and i remember this one kid going through a, going through a lot you know his his sister uh was very sick with uh, cancer and I, it was just a lot and like he could not get through the warm-up and then one day, and he's always like very pale. You know, we live near the beach. I'm always like, get some vitamin D, man. Get outside. I said to him, I go, dude, to, this is like today. If you don't want to be here, I'm just, let's call your parents and let's take a break. Maybe next year you're ready. Whereas 10, 15 years ago, i mother F them up and down. Get the F out of here. You don't want it. Sometimes I still say to the kids, you don't want it. But we kind of find a way to nudge them jokingly. This kid looks at me in the eyes and he says, I want to be here. And then his name was Jimmy. And then after that, his name was Jimmy extra credit. Cause we'd finished training and I would always tell the athletes, I go, guys, what we just did is normal. You're not special. Cause you train here. Okay. That doesn't make you special. Now, what are you going to do? Cause everybody's training. Maybe we're training better, but I don't care. You're not special. Do something extra without me telling you what to do. Jimmy extra credit starts putting chains on, push-ups, climbing rope. And then what I tell them, they go, what should I do? I go, do whatever you think you're not good at. Turn those weaknesses into strengths, double down on your strengths. Jimmy extra credit just started staying after. And that was like, boom. That moment he said to me, he goes, I want to be here. Right there, I gave him the ultimatum. Now, the hardest thing is the kids I don't reach. Kids where I'm like, man. Why couldn't I? How did I? Could I not get that kid tough? And you know, I'm not God. I don't try to play God, but I'm trying to help these kids. And so, you know, that always like kind of breaks my heart when it's like, man, what did I do wrong? Where did I not? And sometimes it's just time. You, you know, that's the thing is you don't have. Sometimes it takes three weeks. Sometimes it takes three years. And I've noticed like anytime parents talk about the money. I say, all right, now it's free. So now I just took away every excuse you got. And sometimes they still don't show up when it's free. And so that's the thing. It's like things that are free. That's where you, if you don't have to pay for it. I don't. Maybe I don't pay with money, but I got to pay effort, time, energy. You know, so we had to go work. To, yeah, <laughs> we had to go work at
1: our coaches. of that mentor protege kind of deal. That's how you paid. Like I don't have money, man, but I can work that right. work out. And I say I go down to and do my physical therapy to, at Andrews, and I, I get to. I've been doing it for about fourteen years now, so I have all the Division One guys going into the combine. And the, the day when, when I show up there, I would pull them into a room. I tell them I was like, "Hey, if you think you're special because you're here, you are. If no one's told you, congratulations on all your hard work." Or in your head, you're always thinking like, "I know there's got to be a place I work out so hard, and when I finally do achieve my goal, I'll be there, and then those guys will be there, and, and I'll know it." And I tell them, I was like, "If you think you're special because you're here, you are. If you think you're special while you're here, you are not. You understand? Because everybody in here is on the same on the level. We're we're getting this. We're making something happen. I All right? like that. Sorry, I, I mean you say the same thing. I just do the Texas version of it.
3: Oh, I, lo- I love. I I've never said it that way. I think that's actually way more powerful because, yeah, I'm. I've kicked my son out of the gym. I tell him, see the underground, the gym, that's the the beauty of it is it doesn't care about the color of your skin, how much money's in your bank account, what kind of car your parents drive. Everything here is you get what you earn. You don't deserve anything unless you earn it. And, you know, I so I've have my gym, but then now I'm I'm also full-time at a high school strength and conditioning. You know, those kids are they can't get it kind of like a punch to the throat at the university level, I could be really like, I could really tell to him straight, like, man, every time you skip breakfast, it messes up your training partner and we need you to make him better, but you don't want to eat breakfast because you don't, you say you don't have time, but really you can't set an alarm 15 minutes early to make some oatmeal. And what you're telling me is you don't want it because that's it. You, that, 15 minutes is too uncomfortable for you. So at the college level, I was able to like really hit him in the throat at going to the school. You have to kind of coerce them slow. So I make the kids sound like, you know, let's, let's say uh, Morgan's not doing it. Get the kids, Morgan, what'd you eat for, what'd you eat for breakfast today? Oh, I didn't have time. Jimmy, come here. What do we say to Morgan? You don't want And <laughs> the other kids say it. I don't have to say it, but the other kids, I tell them, I'm not. It's not one coach to fifty of you. You're all coaches. So if he's, that's your fault. I taught you how to squat. Tell him how to do it. Tell her how to do it. Lighten up the weight. But you know, the we not me mentality is really the changing. It's the game changer. And uh, look, what it's you guys. It's you know would be really you know preach it to the choir. But I always explain to kids. I go look. If teamwork wasn't important, the Navy SEALs would only operate alone. They wouldn't go in the small groups, but it's evidently important. Well, that's, they how they, the that's how they,
1: yeah, they wouldn't exist.
3: Yeah. yeah, that's that's how you win. You need great teammates. And so that's also why environment is crucial. And so when I get the right kids together and we, I interview the parents, you know, we kind of screen people It takes a process before you even walk into the gym to do a trial. you got to do a try-out workout. And I don't care, oh, he can't do this. Don't worry. I want to see if he's going to quit. I want to see the work ethic. That's going to tell me everything. But if he's quitting, then, you know, we're not. And, look, I've had kids, they throw up during the tryout. I'm not trying to make them throw up, but they're so unfit. They throw up from doing, you know – push a sled a little bit and do some lunges. Bang. But then I've had kids that they throw up and I go, all right, normally you threw up like we're done, man. We're just going to call it a day. No, I'm good to go. You sure? Cause I'm not telling you, Know I'm telling you normally I stop and they're like, I'm doing it. I'm not quitting. Boom. I know that I got a kid there that I could shape the kid that kind of quits and gives up when he feels sick. I got a lot of work to do, a lot of work to do with that kid mentally because They've never been pushed, you know, and physical training is kind of not. If you look at a sport practice, they let the kids do the pushups wrong. You know, they let the kid they don't sprint. They don't do these things. Whereas, you know, this morning before this, my son had baseball practice. We rode bikes there. And to me, all right, that's a little bit of work. He doesn't want me driving him. He got on the bike. We both took our bikes. He put on his big, you know, uh, baseball bag with all the crap in it. And like, in my mind, I'm thinking, this is important stuff. I'm not driving him there comfortably. He's riding his bike. So all these little things start to add up. So that's, it could add up in a positive, but if you're doing not the right stuff, now we're kind of adding up in a negative, negative manner. And so that work, the work is the gift, man. There's just, you know, that's the way it is. You want to succeed? Got to be a workhorse.
1: Bro, I'm Mr. Miyagi. I got to kid here he's he's almost 18 he was head down introvert real skinny i made him run down to the end of the driveway which is over a mile for a year just to see if he would do it before i would train him one second now he's uf fighting working out and we eating and we, we mentor kids we bring them out here i was like i'll teach one of them how to after a workout and then you know, i was like teach one of them how to drive a tractor then they got to drive it for three days and then they got to teach the kid behind them how to do it so once you get one of your protégés teaching and good, and then you give them enough respect, that's respect. It's kind of, that's how the dojo works, right? Make rank, and you got one of your yeah. senior guys, you know. You remember when teenagers, you get that cool patch? You just think it's, I mean, team guys, we patch it still. I mean, to this very day. And it's just kind of like, you know, when you walk in there, especially with men and women, everybody knows who the senior guy is, who the tough guy, who's strong, who's not. I mean, it's an animal instinct, fear. I mean, resonates everywhere. You can feel it when you walk in. And that not only when that younger kid walks in, you crush him, he's, doing, you know, he's puking, and you're the only one talking to him, the other kids are important. Because they don't really give a damn about us. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, in the big scheme of things. We're just kind of yeah. like the guide. And we're only temporary. We're kind of temporary in, in the guys' lives. And I always tell my kids around here, it's like, I'm raising you to be a part of this. Not leave it. So everything that I give to you is a gift when the the harder them kids work out here, the harder
3: I work to give them.
1: And I, I, that's how
3: we were taught. I, I love that. I love it. I think that being a dad has just, it changed the way I look at, at things. And so what you were saying is it took me a long time, you know, to pick that up to like, Hey man, I want you to help out Jimmy over there, show him how to do squats. Everybody introduce yourself to Jimmy make them feel good. If you see somebody's doing something wrong, you help. And that's been a big struggle as kids are so used to this. They're Mm -hmm. used to texting only that when they train together, sometimes they struggle to communicate, to push each other. It's just a foreign, it's like a foreign thing to, to them. So I tell them, guys, never let the coach be more motivated than you. You push each other, you make the decisions, you choose the weights. And so it's like this evolving thing. I feel like every day I'm getting being a better coach, trying to get better.
1: Oh, that for the kids! The phone thing when I, when I take mine out outside the gym and drop the phones, and take them around everybody else who's on their phones, and I'll be like, "Let me just show you what we can get done while everybody else is looking down and you're looking up and forward." I mean, no I literally phones. walk through the airport and sit down next to people and just kind of have. It, I sit down next to people wearing our merch. <laughs> you know what I mean? And just sit there and talk to them and they don't even know. They have no idea it was me. I'll get up uh, and I'll walk around, you know, and with the kids. It was, it was like, remember, every time the, the generations fly into something, like with tech. So you got to think the young, young generation, tech's not going to be cool. It's not going to be cool to be on the phone. They're going back to the way we were, like where you threw a party and you knew, you knew everybody's phone number and you were out in the middle of nowhere, right? Using <laughs> <laughs> an, an old school map. Right, You you just knew how to get there. uh, uh, The kids are the next version of us, which means they're better in every way. They just have to just undisciplined. All the doors are shut. And as they go through life, it's just coming upon us to open the doors and and show them the paths that they go down. And the one they pick, if we're well enough trained to get them through it, man, that's cool. If not, then we'll send them to somebody else. Or they have to walk that road alone. But either way, we do it together. Period. I mean most there a lot of people like to be divided and argue we can do that but man when you you know how much more we get done when we get along you always find something to pick on somebody about that's easy I mean we're all different as different as your fingerprint that's by design because if everybody was the same
2: thing that'd be boring everyone knows that Zach I got a question for you hey everybody. you talked about you talked about the fact that uh some people have not been mentally pushed and uh, I think there's a lot of our listeners that have probably that kind of fall into that Uh, example. And I I can say for myself too, like I didn't grow up in a environment where I felt like I was being pushed, especially athletically. I don't consider myself an athletic person, which means I've had this weird, I guess, last 10, 15 years of my life where I've gotten super overweight and then like went into these fad, either diets or workouts where I work out really hard to lose all that weight. But because I've never really faced that mental component, I kind of always fall back into bad habits. What's a good foundation a good start for people who are in a situation like like I I've, I've been?
3: Yeah, that's a great question. And I don't, also don't want people to feel like we are right, they are wrong. It's not like that. It's really your uh it's kind of like your opportunity is sometimes luck, you know? So um Morgan, Marcus, you guys were quite lucky to be around. What was his name? Billy, Billy. Who trained you guys? Yeah, Billy. That's that's luck you're, it's just luck you know i got lucky meeting joe when i was in israel you know that those things are luck and so the simplest things to do is to go out and walk and I, and uh, my buddy you know uh, his name's uh, mark bell mark smelly bell calls it a 10 minute walk and it's very much like when you tell somebody listen just floss one tooth you know because <laughs> you know you're going to floss all of them walking we can all do And uh, your 10 minutes might become 15 minutes. It might become a half hour, but you start by walking. Number one, number two, environment is crucial. And I know now that's a little tricky with so many, you know, gyms, this and that shut down. But if you can do this with a friend or become part of a group, um, you know, the, there's so many of these gyms that have these group classes that can become your normal and they teach you how to do simple things bodyweight squats, push-up, rowing on the rings. To me some of the simplest things is of course walking. When walking feels good, you could jog a short distance, maybe even just from one telephone pole to the next, and then carrying things. You know, we call it farmer walks where you just carry dumbbells or kettlebells or you, you know, you work on the farm. And also I would say doing it start off your day with the physical which is also the mental. So you wake up you have your stuff ready so that you just put your shoes on and you start moving and carries and calisthenics are, have been around since forever. And we carry everything, you know, we carry kettlebells. I bought an anvil off of a guy that, you know, had a farm and my athletes carry, you know, stones, you name it, but it could be just a pair of used dumbbells you picked up off a of Craigslist or something Because carrying works your whole body. You know, you got to deadlift it up or squat it up. Your arms are working, your shoulders, your legs. And I think keeping it simple is important. And then the other thing is just do a small amount every day. Don't try to do an hour. Don't try to do a half hour. If you do one thing, that's 100% more than zero. And then, of course, nutrition is important. But now we have so many, like you said, Andrew, fad diets. We have keto. We have intermittent fasting. We have, you know, the meat diet, all this. What, what about just, you know, I'm going to get rid of the junk in my house and I'm or I'm just going to drink water. You make one change. We're at 100 percent more than zero. And um, I'll tell you, like a, a buddy of mine who's, who's part of that group that we were invited with to, to train the guys down in Damnek, Um, At one point he was working in uh, Philly and one of the sent out to one of the hospitals in philly for for a cancer treatment and uh that guy went through uh like a, a specialized type of uh, chemo but the guy ate he told me he's like he put on muscle during the chemo every morning he'd have like you know uh, two or three eggs one or two pieces of bacon piece of toast and the rest of his day you know chicken fish rice some veggies but he exercised he ate he ate quote unquote healthy, you know, not any kind of fad diet. And so I think the further you get away from all these tricks and fads, and the more you go back to basics, uh, you know, doing the simple things, you know, sit brilliance with the basics, you will succeed. Um, So Andrew, you know, in a nutshell, talking, then do simple things with the nutrition, like just drinking water, um, if you drink coffee, that's fine. I drink tea instead of coffee and, uh, exercise should be simple. And every day, something little, I'm going to do five pushups and five squats in the morning, maybe five and five in the afternoon, five and five in the evening. The next day I might get a pair of dumbbells and carry them up and down the street, you know, up and down the block, Some, something simple. But when you do one thing, you're at a hundred percent more than zero. And it has that compounding effect. It adds up in, in a positive. And then, of course, don't expect like a 180 degrees right away. Anything worthwhile is going to take time, right? We all know that. Building this podcast, it takes time. Becoming a great or even a good father, right? You never actually, when you're a good dad, you never think you're great. You always think you got to, how can I be a better dad?
1: And how do I do That's it? That's the one Every thing I second guess more than anything. It's like, am being a good dad?
3: That's a great question to ask yourself. You know, I I was on a podcast a couple of days ago and the guy said, you know, ask yourself two questions at the end of the night. Like, you know, uh, what, what did, you know, ask your kids, what did I do? What was like the best part about their day with me and what can I do to improve? And I, I like had this thing where it was like, if I add all the things up I did at the end of the day, can I say to my kids, Ethan, summer, this is what daddy did today. Are my kids proud of me? If they're not proud, I got to get better. I got to get better. (laughs) And then, and then I'd say the other thing is, you know, as much as we're talking about being tough, don't beat yourself up. Just get better. All right, man, you got overweight. So what? You're trying. At least you followed a fad diet. You're trying, you're going for it. Okay. Just find something that's simpler and not so complicated. And uh, of course, Having great friends. You guys said you train with your buddies, you train with the whole family in the morning. That always, that accountability to somebody else changes everything. So when you have people, when I trained with Joe in Israel, it was like, I, I, I mean, he changed my life just being around him with that kind of intensity. I don't, there's no way I would have been able to train like that without him. And then the gym owner's name was Avner we went we went crazy and it was because i had great people around me right great companies are built with great people on the flip side i'm going to say this sometimes you got to do shit alone sometimes you can't be waiting for somebody to show up and help you and be your partner i'm waiting for this guy i'm waiting for this girl i'm waiting for the sun and the moon to align perfection never happens you know i like to just i i that's kind of what the whole philosophy behind the underground was it was like, all right, everybody at the time who was a strength coach was wearing like a collared shirt. They had expensive equipment. And I was training people out of my parents' backyard with stones. Then they were in the garage with used equipment to work, you know, out of the hood. It's like I was not waiting for perfect, but I was like, that's actually the beauty is in the imperfection. So, Andrew, you just got to take a walk. Then you got to just drink more water and you got to fall in love with the process versus the end result. Because with fitness and health, there's never really an arriving point. You're never really, ah, I'm just going to coast now. You're never, it's, it's not there. Never. You, you it achieve goes, something. It goes back. Yeah. yeah. Then you're like, all right, now I got to do this next thing or I'm going to work and improve on this next thing. And uh, of course I've always said, if you don't have friends you know, in the world that could meet up with you. You've got virtual friends, you've got podcasts, you can train and just listen to team never quit podcast going on in the background and that'll fire you up. And I've done that many times. I go in the garage, even though I own a gym, I'll go in the garage and I just have a kettlebell and it's the winter and it's cold, but I'm like, yes, that's the beauty. And then I'll put on some of those like, you know, YouTube motivational videos with Navy SEALs, and I'm just like, damn, dude! I'm just gonna train for 30 minutes. These guys did that shit for a week without stopping. Like, I can do this 30 minutes of training. So I just change my perspective, and uh, I struggle too, man. Sometimes, especially in the summertime, we live by the beach, ice cream, this and that. So then I'll just be like, all right, you know what? Next time we go out, I ain't eating that ice cream.
2: <laughs> yeah,
3: I'm gonna be that. I guy. mean, it's it, no
1: it, ice I, cream. with mine. Some, I, I completely agree with what you're saying. I love it. I. They get old enough to the age, you'd have some of them guys come in and start, I was like, give me some push ups. They'll start knocking out 10, 15 pushups. They're already breathing hard. Like sway back, you know, just, oh, screaming, yelling, just, just yep. dying. And I'll stop them. I'm like, you know what? I was like, if you went into that, if you went home into the bedroom with your girlfriend, you'd be doing push ups for hours, screaming and yelling. You never get tired. <laughs> I was like, you need to understand that everything you do is a mindset. Yes. The minute you shift your focus into no matter what I'm doing, I want to do it and it's it's here for a reason. Like I would do one push up after my surgery. I mean I just one push up. And don't look at it like you're doing the push-up to get in shape. Convince yourself like you're doing that push up so you don't get hungry or you don't do this. Anything other than trying to get in shape. Because everybody arrives differently, you're saying. And it usually happens and it's only a couple weeks before you start seeing some difference. Because you'll be down there doing one and then you know, well, while I'm here, I'm just gonna ban- I'm gonna do two. And it, it won't even feel it. And the minute somebody notices it, like they're like, hey, have you been working out? You look like you dropped weight. Boom, you're snapped, right? And don't look at your workout program or your diet as, because those are temporary. It's like, man, this is just what I do. I keep yes. those those elastic bands. I keep one wrapped around the foot of my bed. If I walk into my bedroom, I got to do a, a set. Yeah. You know, just till it burns a little bit. Maintenance PT. A lot of people think you got to work out every day to get, but man, there's, there's the, I work out six days a week and then I, the, yeah, anything in your car, I just, boom.
3: I keep it. It's, it's there. It's like, it's this. That's reminder. your toy. Yeah.
1: That's your kind of just hey. shift everything else that out of there that, that would cause you to be complacent and, just and don't touch, be in any yeah. hurry. Don't be in any hurry. You, you're not in a hurry to get through life. So don't mm-hmm. be in a hurry to get to, you know, every grade is different. And I'm like, man, you know what? I'm going to do one push up for a week. Let's see what happens just in the morning you know, or whenever, you know, and then you're right. go from there. It literally turns into itself. Like everybody's looking for this. Hey, tell me when this moment, no, don't look for that. If everything's different, you just yes. keep going. And it, it, we don't even notice it. Cause even when we became seals, you're not, it's not like an aha. I mean, the like graduation and you're trying, but I mean, when, when you become it, it just, man, it just unfolds itself. There's no, I wish I could say, I was like, Oh, I remember right then and there I was a uh, blah, blah, blah. No, (laughs) that never happened to me.
0: Andre, Andre Agassi. I keep referring to him because he has just—I mean, big fan. He's like, there is no finish line for anything. He was tough,
3: man. And my daughter plays tennis, so I'm a big—I follow all this tennis, and it's—I didn't realize how intense it was. Oh man, Um, dude! And it's a lot. And you know, when my when we we'll travel to Florida a couple times a year for tennis camps. And they'll train in the morning. Then they come back and train at night. And I'm like, man, double sessions at age seven, at age eight. And you're a dad and you're thinking, I got to protect my daughter. This is too much. But then I'm like, I don't want to tell her it's too much because then I start setting limits. And so the limits are here, man. You guys know it. You know, for our friends out there listening, you know, just get if you do one rep, if you do one push up or one squat, you're a hundred percent ahead of zero, and that that's going to make you better. And then you could start sneaking it in, and it will happen. And you gotta, you know, people always speak about your why. What's your what's your why? You know, I I uh, when I get into these situation scenarios where I have to speak to a large group of people, I remember um, I was with Joe in Vermont, and he was doing the Agogi, which is a sixty hour challenge and they're not sleeping they're just they're just crushing those people and there's like 13 and 14 year olds and then there was a guy who was in his early 60s and Joe takes me out they're you know they're just traveling all around Vermont and we get out there sometime around midnight and uh and Joe says where's my 62 year old friend who wants to quit and uh, everybody going through the agogi is battling something inside i think we're all we all are we all have somehow those inner demons and uh joe's mount spider goes zach what do you got for this guy he wants to quit i said listen guys you know number one i go what you guys are doing I'm, i'll admit it i don't want to do a 60 hour go. i don't want to do that but you're here and number one if i know if you if you quit you're gonna 45 minutes later five minutes later you're going to realize you you could have done it. So I said, I want you to think about who's on the screensaver of your phone, okay? Who's on the screensaver of your phone? It's always somebody you love. There's my kids. I said, those people likely mean the most to you. Maybe it's not humans. It might be a dog. It might be your dogs. But I said, right now, I want you to think about them because you're going to have to go back and answer to them. And they're either going to be proud of you or not. Ultimately, this is you know your choice. But what if they need you to carry them? What if they're weak and they need you to be strong? Think about that right now. So, number one, think about who's most important. Who do you love? The healthier you are, the the more you can love people, right? And then, of course, look to what did we say earlier? Look to the person next to you. Take the focus off yourself for just a second and ask this guy or this girl next to you how you could help them. And you know. People going through that gogi challenge that Joe holds. One one uh young girl, she was in her thirties, she was going through it on crutches. Her legs had been broken twice. She got hit by a car, goes to the hospital, leave, you know, leaves the hospital on crutches, gets hit by a car again. She was doing the whole thing going through the mountains on crutches. And I'm thinking to myself, What what do I have anything no, to do How does that happen? Change, change the frame of reference. I'm thinking to myself, these people are struggling a lot, you know, struggling a lot. And so just think about who's most important in your life and you're going to do something that's going to make them proud. And I think that one of the best things you could do for yourself is, is be healthy and strong because you're better for this world. You know, we spoke a little bit in this pre-recording about the fighting and all the, the negative things going on. And I can't remember where I heard that quote. You guys may have heard it. It's the quote is hurt people, hurt people. So hurt people, comma, hurt people. Mm-hmm. They're hurting. Now they're gonna hurt other people because they're hurting. And so man, sometimes we're hurting, and I always feel like in a little bit of a selfish way, I feel it just makes you feel good. Cause I get to help kids change their lives. And so when you could help other people now you're like "Ooh, if i'm going to help marcus and morgan i can't help them unless i lead i have to do the damn thing you know and so you want to trick yourself put yourself into a position where you have to help others so there's a lot of little tricks you can do i think one of the most important tricks is you know get don't follow the fads or the gimmicks they're come and go but basics You know, just like in military, like there's basics with shooting there. There's basics with a lot of stuff that have still remained, you know, high priority for decades because they always work. Just like certain things in sports, certain things in business. Like, for example, in business, you want to be a good business owner? Be nice to people. Like when we were kids and you go, you go to the bakery and there was a legit baker's dozen. You know, and the guy knew your name and asked how your mom and dad are doing. What, you know, oh man. And I tell you, there was a guy in my little town. He passed away two years ago. He was a butcher, but he started as a, he was in his seventies. He started as a butcher before he was a teenager with his dad in the city, New York City. I would go and buy some steaks, this and that. And he'd come out, he'd say, Zach, baby, Zach, baby, he'd shake my hand. He had these big hands and I, Big hands, meat hook, and be like meat hook hands, <laughs> and he'd be like, "I want you to try these, like uh, I want you to try these pork roll patties." Or so he'd give me always give me something, and I was like, "Man, I got to go back." It was called Old Time Butcher. It had the jukebox, but he treated people so nice. I saw like people would just hang out. They, sure, like they barbershop. They were just in there. Like, hey, you guys want to oh, go to the butcher shop? And hang barber out barbershop, <laughs> and so. You know, that being nice to people. I don't know how that, you know, Andrew asked me one question. Take me 15 minutes to answer. No, but <laughs> well, well good, said, man.
2: well said. Hey, thank you guys for listening to this episode of Team Never Quit Podcast. Let us know what you think. Zach, where can people follow you? What do you got going on?
3: Uh, I got a Strong Life podcast on wherever you can find podcasts. Got a free newsletter at ZachStrength.com, Z-A-C-H, strength.com. And then on social, Z Z-E-V-E-N-E-S-H. And I'm always putting out content. People could ask me questions. I I do Q and A on the podcast, Q and A on Instagram. Looking to help people. That's it, man. It was an honor to be with you guys, man, and and uh, really love you guys, everything you stand for. Uh, Real yes, honor for, yeah, great, for you. Yeah, for sure. You got a great
2: heart and a big soul, bro. Keep going, man. Yeah. Make sure to follow us on social media. teamneverquit.com slash social. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, CastBox, basically anywhere there's a podcast. Hey, just so you guys know, we got some new podcast gear. We got Never Quit Flags back in stock. You want to check it out? Leave us a review on iTunes. Zach, thanks again for joining us. Thanks for subscribing. See you guys later. guys. Take it easy, brother. God bless.
3: Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon.